Good morning, CBF. It's great to be back here once again on a Sunday. And these are times that we call as unprecedented, things that we have never again hoped would happen. But here we are, in fellowship, though not in physical means, but through the Spirit, of course, we are one in the body of Christ. And that's what enables us to have that unity in Him. Now, as we navigate through these circumstances, a lot of things that come to our mind, a lot of points that we ponder about, that we've never sometimes given deep thought to. And one of the few things is what the Lord has been leading me to speak on. And this has been coming in so strongly that uh, I didn't have any other uh, message that the Spirit gave me but this. And I would want to start off with an example. We are all aware of uh, dear Modi and how he lived towards the end of the 19th century. He was an American evangelist. He started off with schools. He started off with the, um, the Modi Bible Institute. He started off with Modi publishers and they're all still there today. Uh, he was even one of the people who worked towards ensuring the YMCA came up. Uh, all those who had been for the CET program, the Children Child Evangelism training, would have seen the four-colored version of the wordless book. And that's something that he brought in. Now, at one point in time, he was questioned and told, it remains to be seen what God will do with a man who gives himself wholly up to him. And Modi thought to himself, yes, I will be that man. Why can't I take up that challenge in my life, a faith-filled life. He even made a comment once that if God wanted me to jump out through this window, that's exactly what I will do. No second thoughts. Now, that kind of a walk of faith is truly rare. Truly. But it shouldn't be because if a person invests their time and energy to get to know Jesus and become familiar with him, his voice and what he wants from our lives, that should come in as the most natural thing in the world. Today we're going to look at a man who did that, Peter. He listened, he knew the voice of Christ and he took a little walk with him. And whenever we come across something very familiar, the difficulty is to figure out and find something fresh and new in it. And that's uh, how we look at this passage today. There are three things that we learn from this as we go along and let's keep that in mind. And there's a lot that can be taught from the story. And this is one of the passages that we would have heard a lot of sermons about. And uh, today, the foundation that we want to touch upon would be the walk of faith. Isn't that what Peter's little walk with Jesus on that stormy night? That was a walk of faith. Now let's turn our attention to Matthew chapter 14, reading from verses 22 onward till 33. So it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. 
and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down from the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, this is an incident which is there in three of the four Gospels. It's there in the book of Mark, it's there in John, both in chapter 6. And we need to understand a little bit of history before we go ahead. Now, if you look at the Galilee Sea, it is buffeted by mountains. And when the air comes in from the land, it creates an area of sorts which can make life very difficult if you are trying to cross it. Normally it takes two hours to cross this uh, sea. Uh, and more importantly, after 10 to 100 meters, you will see that it suddenly drops. It becomes very steep. Now, the first point that I want to put across is when Jesus asked his disciples to go into that storm, he had a purpose. If you read verse 22, it says, he immediately, he compelled, he made them get into the boat. The word made in the Greek word is to necessitate, to constrain, to compel. And that word means when we get into the boat, going down to the sea, he was persuaded. Now if you turn to Acts chapter 28 verse 19, the same verse is being used. When the Jews objected, I was forced to appeal to Caesar. That's what Paul is saying. He was compelled to appeal to a Caesar. Now the idea here is that they did not want to leave Jesus there. He was compelling them. Go on. There are times in our lives that we feel God is compelling us to go somewhere or do something or say something. And we have a feeling that he's not going to be there with us for that. And that's the primary reason we feel when we ask anything that is risky or scary to be done, it does not make sense. How did I get into this mess when I was doing whatever God wanted me to do? How is God having a purpose in all of this? You are in good company because the disciples felt that same way. You would not be surprised to learn. They would have wondered why Jesus sent them out to the storm in the first place without him being in the boat. Now, intellectually, we as believers always remember the Lord is with us. There are times when he is always promised, but we don't feel that he is there with us. Our hearts tell us, no, I don't get that comfort. The disciples knew that they were physically leaving Jesus behind on the shore. They were leaving the person who did a lot of miracles, who could take care of them, possibly. But there was no guarantee that he was even giving them that I will meet you in the boat. No, they were all alone. And as believers, that's something that we have to face. That Jesus gets us to do something, to say something, to go somewhere where we feel the Lord is not there. We feel, is this the right position that I would want to be in? Are these trials that we are facing from the Lord? Is, well, He's sovereign. 
Is there any aspect of life that does not cover under his sovereignty? Well, the answer is yes, the Lord puts us to trials, but it is all because he has a purpose. Jesus had a purpose when he sent the disciples there. Even if the trials we face sometimes are because of our choices, because of what we do, but the Lord has still chosen to allow that in our lives. And I think a key ingredient of that walk in faith, it is easy to walk by faith when there are no waves, no storms, no danger, but otherwise. So an example is there, there is an animal called the African Impala, beautiful creatures. It's a deer. What it can do is it can jump three feet up into the air. No, sorry. Ten feet up into the air. We can jump maybe three feet. And it can jump 30 feet long in a single jump. And that's a magnificent jump to see. But you go to the zoo, and if you ever happen to catch this creature, it's anyway not there in India as much. You would see it behind a three-foot fence and not jump. Because of a simple point, the impala will not jump until it sees where it's going to land. So if it does not have that perspective, it's not going to jump. That's exactly how sometimes we are in our lives. We have the ability to do so much more. We have been empowered to do so much more. But we don't, not because we are disabled, but because as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And it's God's purpose that we have to ensure that our lives are driven by Him. And we do not know what the end result is going to be. We do not know how and what to expect. And then on what basis do I put my trust in Him? And that's why Psalm 23 has this beautiful verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So often we see that the peaceful shore is the goal. We often see that troubled times is the time that we need the Lord Himself. So it's the walk of faith that God asked his disciples to go through but more importantly that was a purpose that he had built. Secondly, we see that the Lord has a prepared plan for our lives and we sometimes find that difficult to digest. Let's go back to the text. Now if you go to the gospel according to Mark chapter 6, uh, reading verse uh, 13. 6 to 13 and verse 30. It goes like this. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to them, he gave them, uh, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. And we see a lot of instructions that the Lord gives over there. And verse 12, where they went out and preached that people should repent. Now, verse 30, what we see is they go out and do all of this. The Lord has given them the power. They, they start doing wondrous things among the people. Then they come back in verse 30 saying, The disciples gathered together 
and Mark is telling that they started reporting everything that they had. They were so excited. There is so much to do. There's so much to tell. And that's beautiful. We went out in faith. We did a lot of things in faith. It's a triumphant time. And Jesus also understood one thing. They have toiled a lot. He wanted to take them to a solitary place. But it was just not possible. So many people coming to be Jesus. And then he puts them a difficult task to accomplish. Feed 10,000 people. 5,000 mentioned, of course, that's a man. You can imagine 10,000 people stepping up for food. And all they got was five, fish, uh, five loaves and two fishes. Now, we CBF had a similar distribution plan for food. And they would, you would ask any of the volunteers, they can give you a sense on how difficult that is. Truly, a difficult proposition to do. Now, imagine doing all of that and then coming towards the end of the day and collecting out 12 basketfuls that were left over of the fish and the food. They were asked to clean up the entire place. It's not left like that and gone. And it's getting more late. God has a plan. It is becoming evening. And then the disciples, I would imagine, would not have any strength more. But the true trial for them was yet to begin. So they get into this boat and they go around three to four miles and start the wind. The wind, if you look at it, the most competent people to take care of that situation are there in the boat. Fishermen. I mean, isn't that their daily life? Isn't that what they see? Yes. But if you see Mark 6 verse 48, it says, He saw the disciples straining at the oars. Jesus had a plan for them and he was watching. He had his eyes on them the whole time. They must have thought that the Lord's not here. Now, if you see, Jesus is waiting for them at the fourth watch is when he actually goes out to them. And what, what's the fourth watch? If you, if you study a bit of history, you'll understand that the fourth watch is when uh, the first watch is a 6 to 9 p.m. Then it moves on to a 9 to 12 p.m. Uh, then it is a 12 to 3 p.m. which is a third watch. And the fourth watch is a 3 to a 6 p.m. So it's a time when the disciples would have spent at least, at least, I would say, eight hours. Eight hours of toiling on a journey that should have actually taken them two hours. Eight hours when they felt, the Lord's not here with me. The Lord's not showing His presence. What do I do? Very difficult question to answer. But little did they know, and Mark records it so beautifully, he was watching them. He was seeing them from afar off. I don't know. I could imagine Jesus standing on the mountain and looking down upon the sea. And he's able to see so far off. There is a storm happening. So it's, it's not human visibility. It is a God who created them looking at them and understanding that their plans are now nothing. Their plans to reach home in the night, the plans to reach to the other shore, 
do not stand in front of what God had planned for them. It's very difficult. How do I put myself in a position like that and come out victorious? Now, we read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 and 32. Um, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Uh, I don't know how many of you would uh, have read this story, but as a child, I was very uh, enamored by what uh, David Livingston had as a life. Now, there's a little incident about him that we read where uh, some strangers had come into a village in Africa and the king had sent some people to inquire. And they said, we are Livingston's children. Our master has sent them to come back for supplies, but we got late, so we are staying at your place. So he said, the white, the king said, the white master is our friend and he allowed them to stay. And they were comfortably settled in. And people were happy, they wanted to meet them because they introduced themselves as Livingston's children. They've got many gifts for that matter. And this is a poor African village at that time. Tribals. Later that night, when people were sleeping, there was a scream and then another. And people were found rushing from their huts where they were staying. Many of their houses were on fire. The white men who called themselves as Livingston's children were seizing women and children and binding them. And around the necks of men, they were putting sticks and forked pieces of iron. And they realized that they were slave traders, actually. That's when the realization struck. Because he said, the white master never takes slaves. So in the morning, all of these people were put into a procession and marched off by the slave traders. And it is hot. It's been two days, second day afternoon of their travel. There was a bent of road and they, when they took that in front of them was Dr. Livingston. What happened was miraculous after that. All of the slave traders left running away because of the respect they had for that one man. The whole group of slaves fell down on their knees and gave thanks because of the deliverance. God's plans as a time and a purpose. Now in Jeremiah 29 verse 11 he says, For I know the high plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. That's what the Lord wants. So they had no strength, the disciples at the end. He was waiting for the right time to strengthen their faith. The time when they needed it the most. And that brings us to the third and last point. That Jesus shows his power through our lives. Now Peter waited for the Lord to tell him to come out. It is night. The disciples cannot see what's happening around them. The sky is dark. The stars are the ones they used to navigate. They are invisible. The waves are violent. The wind is loud. All they can do is keep the boat moving. They don't know in which direction. Suddenly they see something dim coming across them on top of the water. And I don't believe any of us would have been in the same situation, would have assumed something other than what they just thought about. None of us would have thought, oh, that must be Jesus. He's walking across the water and, and he's trying to kill us. No, they have been afraid to, if we were honest, we would be. 
the disciples were battered by the waves. And literally in the Greek, it mentions that they were tortured of sorts. Have you ever felt that way in your life, that you were being tortured? That you felt what the disciples were feeling at that time? That you are so down in your strength that there is nothing left for you to put in? There were seasoned sailors sitting on that boat who lost hope. There were men who were accustomed to dealing with situations like this. And sometimes we feel whatever we have gone through is so difficult. But we have never seen the storms that Christ went through in his life. What are the kind of emotions you face in these situations? What is going inside of you? Are you confident? Are you reasonable? To walk by faith at these times means to ask Jesus what to do and wait for his response before doing it. And waiting on the Lord takes a whole new meaning at this time. So, Brother Campbell Morgan put it this way, waiting for the Lord is not laziness. It's waiting for the Lord is not going to sleep. It is not abandonment of effort. It means activity under command, readiness for any new command, and the ability to do anything, to do nothing, actually, until the command is given. And that, that kind of seems like an army narrative that we are built for a purpose. Walk of faith, Peter shows here, is kind of that. He's waiting. He's afraid. In his own efforts, he can't keep the boat afloat. He's talking to Jesus for an instruction. Keep me afloat. Waiting. And one of the most remarkable aspects of this, Peter, that we know as an impulsive and restless person, suddenly calm. He doesn't know what to say. But he has just something to say anyway. Now, this is the same Peter who was reprimanded by Jesus for saying that he was going to die at the hands of religious, uh, for saying he was going to die at the hand of religious leaders. And the and the Peter who lashed out and cut out the high priest servants here. All of this is kept aside when he faces a situation where they could perish in the night. Peter waited. He waited for the Lord to give an answer. And he got it right. The work, the walk of faith requires that we wait patiently and calmly for the Lord's instruction before we move. And when the word comes, we immediately obey. So why was it important for Peter to get out at all? The answer to that question is what really defines the walk of faith for us. The walk of faith does not make sense in an everyday world. The walk of faith does not look to the eye of the flesh as if it is wise or prudent or a good idea. The walk of faith is sometimes opposite to the strong and resourceful, to the independent and the prudent. There are times when people have felt difficulty in trying to tell their kids that you need to make up your bed in the morning. And there's one father who had his son go to the Marines and we know how difficult it is to get into that kind of a regime. And he comes home and he says, the son says, my life makes sense now, dad. Everything you said and did while I was growing up now makes sense. I really understand. And he said, oh yeah, dad, one more thing. I learned what now means. You see that at home. I mean, anything I tell my kids, yeah, I'll take care of it. It will be done. The Lord talks about it now. Immediate obedience. If the Lord calls 
asked to do something now. That's the time we do it. And that's when Peter had to get off the boat. He asked Jesus to instruct him to come. And I don't know how many of us in that situation would have asked the Lord, Lord, I want to get out in the water. The first situation that we are trying to handle is, calm this boat down. Then Lord, maybe we can try something. No. The Lord calls us to a situation where we want to be with Him. If He's outside the boat, I want to go to Him. I believe that Jesus used His knowledge of the impulsiveness that Peter had to teach him a lesson and teach it so powerfully. Jesus knows each of us just like he knows Peter. He was aware of what Peter's inclinations was. He was aware of Peter's love. He was aware of his desire for him. But when Jesus said, come, Peter's love for Jesus compelled to put his trust in Jesus. If Jesus could do that and he's instructed me to do this, I can do it. Peter showed true faith in his obedience because he was expressing that faith as an obedience to God. Peter put his trust in Christ's word and did not look at his own inability to walk on water. It does not make sense would have been his mind's point. No, he simply obeyed the voice of the one who had created that plan for him, who had given him the power. So what is in your life that makes no sense to you? Are you obedient? Sometimes or are you confused or are you willing to love the Lord more than anything else? Is there any place in your life that you are not walking on faith? Is there any hope that you are looking for the Lord to answer? It's better to get out of the boat and start walking in obedience. And when we step out to the world today, that is the answer that the Lord wants us to give. I don't live a life that seems sometimes wise decisions, sometimes prudent in the sight of the world. But I live a life which Christ has called us to. We live a life according to the direction that He has given us. Because, one, the Lord has a purpose. Second, He has a plan. And more importantly, He has the power to give us to do that. And this is very critical even at these times when we seriously don't know when we'll be able to gather together as a church completely again. We seriously don't know where the world is headed towards. We seriously don't know where our kids, are, our education, our, our uh, secular jobs are headed towards. This is not an uncertainty when we started 2020, but look where we are. More than ever, this is the time that we start living the walk of faith. And as we put our trust in the Lord, let us be confident that we are called to have this walk in our lives. Let's close in prayer. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we are privileged to be called your children and to be called to have a walk of faith with you. Even as many times in our life we might think that you are not there beside us and we don't feel your presence, but we know that you are watching. Just as you watched the disciples and you knew their struggles, you understand us, you know us individually. And we thank you for your promises that are so sure, so evident through Christ in our lives. And even as we 
are led through difficult situations and trials that our faith, our walk, our strength may truly be the faith that we have in you. Even as we start this week, that every day of our life may be filled with the walk of faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.